everyone. Greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Todd Erzin. His name's Aaron McIntyre. And we have a show lined up for you today. At the bottom of this hour, what the hell is going on at the border? Ken Cuccinelli was essentially the border czar for the Trump administration. He will join us to discuss that here at the bottom of this hour. Uh, next hour, we will continue our series on Theology Thursday, looking at the book that we started uh, by Dr. Tony Evans uh, called Kingdom Politics. And we will get into that uh, coming up uh, in the uh, second hour of the show. And then, provided everything goes okay and the technology lines up, the new presidential candidate, Governor Ron DeSantis, he will join us here at the bottom of the uh, final hour of the show. And then in the overtime, uh, we will bring on our Blaze TV contributor, Jill Savage, and we will have an in-depth conversation and reaction to that interview. Uh, Again, that's uh, coming up uh, the final segment of the show today. If you're listening live, 1230 Eastern, or 130 Eastern, 1230 Central. 130 Eastern is when uh, the governor is scheduled to join us. I shouldn't do this on the air, but Aaron, I just looked. I don't have today's live reads, and I wanted to make sure we didn't go 30 minutes without me having them. So Sure, I'll get it thank to you. you. All right. Um, I have made a decision um, on how we're going to open the show today because the reality is there's no point putting Aaron through a bunch of work to do a montage when really there's only one singular issue that everybody is talking about right now because it has, it has a lot of tentacles. Now, there's a, there's a lot of extensions of, of, of this conversation based on what happened last night. Many are very stupid. Well, that. We're going to try to avoid as many of those as we possibly can and treat our audience like an adult, at least here. Uh, But um, uh, many of them are very important moving forward as a movement, as a people, as an industry. And it's it's not even so much about who announced. I mean, that that obviously matters. It, It was a person, but it was where it was done, how it was done. How many people tuned in? I just thought, since this is all anybody was talking about last night, I mean, when we left here yesterday, the anticipation for this event was all pretty much all the media was talking about, right? Yeah. After the event, that's same. all. During the event, same. Yeah. Okay. This morning, same. That, that, that's it. So there, there isn't another issue, and there's just no point having Aaron slave over a hot stove when we all know it's you know dinner's going to be ordered in. I mean, this one's pretty simple. So I was very busy yesterday, and uh, and then we had Bible study. So it was kind of good that I wasn't, I didn't really have an opportunity to immediately respond to what I thought was, um, to what I saw happen with Ron DeSantis' announcement last night. And that gave me, I think, a little bit more time. I finally didn't get, I finally got home and then Zoe had a car issue I had to go help her with, all right? So, I mean, I, I didn't get home and actually stop going. I, from the time I got up in the morning until um, I was able to just take a breath and just relax on my own, it was about 10 o'clock last night. And that was the first time that I truly had an opportunity to kind of now, I was not aware of the reaction to the event 
because I was actually involved in it, which I will talk about here in a few minutes. So I was not following a lot of that reaction. I didn't see almost any of the reaction afterwards because as soon as the event got done, I had to go to my small group. And then Zoe calls, I've got a flat, I've got an issue, I need, your, I need daddy's help, all right? So I've got to go across town where she is at work and help her with that. It was 10 o'clock before I got back and truly was able to soak in what was going on, the numbers, um, people's reactions, et cetera. And so that gave me a little bit of time to assess where things are. So what I would like for us to do in this opening segment is before I went to bed last night, I put together uh, on Twitter my, my top five takeaways from Ron DeSantis's presidential announcement last night. And I'd like to go through these one by one with the two of you because we haven't even had a chance to really discuss this ourselves. Right. We, I mean, I, I, we had a couple of quick fire texts with each other during and after, but nothing really in depth. I've been so busy this morning. My phone is rang off the hook, you know, so I haven't had an opportunity to engage the two of you or even see what you've been posting on social. So I, I just would like to know what, uh, what the Steve Day Show team here thinks and um, compare notes with you guys. And that's, I'm guessing people are tuned in. Because they also want to know what the Steve Day Show team thinks. Fair? You guys okay yes. with this? Let's go. More of a conversational format? I like it. All right. Before we get to it, um, a reminder about our great friends over at Eden Pure Air Purifiers. They are one of the more popular partners that we have brought in in the last year. So many positive uh, reviews. And in, in fact, I, I finally did get a negative review from, about Eden Pure, I should mention. And it was actually a guy concerned that it hadn't arrived yet because he was very excited to try this thing out after everything he heard about it. I want to make sure they didn't forget my order. They didn't lose it. I've heard so much talk about this thing. I really need it. I want to make sure it works. I want to try it for myself. I mean, there have been a ton of positive reviews. Why? Because it's, it's not, you know, an air freshener. It's an air purifier. So a lot of the, um, the stuff in your air, the mold, the mildew, the bacteria, even some viruses, uh, that the, the smoke, the BO, the pet odors, the stuff that's causing the unfresh, the un, undead smells in your home, it gets rid of those things. Uh, with its patented oxy technology and you never it's filterless you'll never be replacing filters uh, out of your own pocket or uh, out of uh, your own schedule you get them in packs of three you can get all three units for whole home protection for under two hundred dollars that's a fraction of the cost compared to their competitors which probably aren't as good anyway if we're being honest and free shipping Free shipping as well, but to take advantage of this special offer, you need to go to EdenPureDeals.com, discount code Steve. That's EdenPureDeals.com, discount code Steve. All right, are you guys ready to go? Yes. All right, so let, let's start with the obvious thing uh, and the, the, the newness of technology. I, I'd only been on a Twitter space one other time. And it was uh, to be a part of kind of a blue ribbon panel on, uh, on COVID. So I'd only done it one other time, and we maybe had 5, 10, 15,000 people on there. Nothing compared to what was generated by this event yesterday. So the, the big thing is, and I can only imagine if you were on the campaign or anything else, I mean, you've got a well-oiled machine. You've got this thing down to the minute. You've got all these various elements and, that you're going to bring in from uh, around, literally around the world to make this happen. And, the, and Twitter has massive glitches at the top. Uh, it's, it sounded like they thought it was... Um, a server issue it actually ended up being an elon musk issue uh they were able to isolate it to they were running the uh the twitter space they were launching it out of his account which makes sense he's got the biggest following in the world unfortunately 
that brought uh, that because it came from his account. That's what crashed it on top of what DeSantis was going to bring. And then what Elon Musk brings from a following. It just couldn't handle that when they moved it to a different account. It took him about 15 minutes or so, I think it was to figure that out. And then once they did, everything went off pretty smoothly from that point forward. But it, but given the hype and the, and the build up to this. It reminded me when um, opening weekend, I, there was some, uh, a theater in my hometown in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I was going to go do the, an event, remember, and I got the MRSA infection. I couldn't go. And um, th- I, they were telling me that right is, the, the thing is sold out. People are hyped. They can't wait to see Nefarious. Um, the projector's not working. Just, just sucks all the oxygen out of the room. Turned out that the kid who runs the projector forgot to take the lens cap off. Okay? Similar to, you know, don't, Launch this out of a guy with 140 million Twitter followers. Try it somewhere else. Um, there's no question that took some of the oxygen air out of the room. I don't know how that was avoidable given that cir- circumstance. And if I'm on Team Trump, of course, I'm going to isolate on that. I mean, if, if you thought that there was anything Ron DeSantis was going to do last night, that Trump was going to say, hey, that was a well-oiled machine, there well done. It, it was just never going to happen. That's not the nature of politics. It's not the nature of competition. Like DeSantis wasn't on Twitter after Trump's town hall on CNN said, hey, man, you really gave it to that broad. I mean, that's just not, that's not how this is ever going to work, okay? That's just the nature of competitions. So if you're on Team Trump, of course you want to isolate on that moment. Um, and... Here's the thing. If, if the DeSantis campaign goes on to, to face plant from here, this will be the metaphor that everybody will point to. It'll be Gary Bauer falling off the stage, flipping pancakes, George H.W. Bush choking on a piece of meat and, 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 and not knowing how a, 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 a shopping uh, you know, scanner works. By the way, that story is not true, but that's a title from another decade. You know, th- those kinds of moments, right, guys, that people look back and say, metaphor, should have known, failure to launch right from the start. In the end, if the DeSantis campaign is impactful, respectful, no one will remember this later on. But that, of course, is the way that this kicked off. All the legacy media that's butthurt that they're getting bypassed, that's all they have written about. I know because my name's in every Google alert from every media outlet literally in the country, all right, because I've seen all their reports. Um, so that you have, you, we got to deal for, with that right from the outset because that's what people heard and saw right from the outset. Yeah, I disagree that this is what people are going to remember if it fails because people will absolutely forget it just like they forget everything else which is why shamelessness is built into this we so easily move on from anything and there's no accountability what is anybody going to be accountable for other than made up rantings of stuff that they just want nothing so the people will blame they'll forget this even happened uh in a week from now that's what no matter what happened whether this was flawless whatever desantis was going to be blamed by both sides left and right for something uh, listen i'm mr you guys are way more into tech than i am i'm a more i got onto this thing very easily uh the fact that this i mean look at obama and the launch of obamacare you remember that that website and how how that bombed are those the same people th- those people made excuses for that then they'll now they'll laugh at desantis for this now i just think almost all of this about the tech thing is utterly contrived and it will be inconsequential when you and i are done talking at the end of this segment all right aaron what say you really annoying for very online conservative millennials um but there are like five of us so this will not mean (laughs) there's a few more than that but i hear you bleep uh in the long run todd is absolutely right really annoying it was kind of 
you know, this this anticipation. But the reaction to this actually from the right is like what the left was doing a few weeks ago with the uh, I can't remember what the name of the the rocket launch was that SpaceX space. Well, yeah, it was a SpaceX. I can't remember the name of the actual rocket, but it was just a test flight. They were they were anything that cleared like the launch pad was considered gravy and lefties were online after it blew up. At lefties, yeah. ha ha, yeah, I got you. And the, Trump, Trump supporters were doing that last night. It's just completely banal and stupid. All right, second point. I think regardless of the clumsy start, the the bottom line, this was the biggest story on the planet for 24 hours, not in the country, on the planet. I mean, Twitter's the largest free speech platform on planet Earth. And this was the the number one trending thing that occurred on that platform. Every major media outlet in America and the world covered it to some degree, mentioned it to some degree. It produced the highest attended presidential announcement in history. In real time, there were anywhere from 700,000 to 300,000 people inside that Twitter space in real time listening in, attending this conversation with Ron DeSantis. I mean, no one's ever given a speech announcing their presidential campaign in front of 300,000, 700,000 people before. Uh, the campaign raised some serious cash uh, afterwards. I think I saw about a million and a half in about an hour, hour and a half. Um, I mean, the clumsy start aside, you can't ask for much more than that as a campaign. I mean, I, I, mean, if it, I just tweeted before we started, regardless of what you think about Ron DeSantis as a presidential candidate, if it's a quote unquote disaster that interest in what you're doing crashes one of the largest websites on planet Earth. You raised more mm-hmm. money in mere hours than 99% of the world's population will see in a lifetime. And you, were, and, you've, and you got, we're now up to about 12 million people have listened to this in 24 hours. And this wasn't just some kind of flash in the pan. This was a long form conversation. I mean, you had to check in. You know, this wasn't just a couple quips and a couple slams and a couple jokes. I mean, th- th- there was a serious discussion in depth on issues here. You got 12 million people to listen to that in 24 hours. If, brother, if that's a disaster, I mean, you may, you may think, you know, any of the other candidates are who you want. Cool. But in general, if that's a disaster, I'm just going to tell you right now, I will skip right by disaster <laughs> and, and sign up for cataclysm. If we're defining disaster yeah. as that now, I'm in for cataclysm. I'm in for pandemic. Well, maybe I'm not in for that. I'm in for tragedy. Okay. I'm in for pick, pick your, I'm in for rake step. I'll, I'll, whatever euphemism metaphor you prefer, I'm in if we are now defining that as a disaster. It was a disaster though, but for legacy media. I mean, given who Ron DeSantis is, his name profile, if he could generate 12 million people to listen to this in 24 hours, how many people, if, if this was Trump, would listen to it in 24 hours? How about Biden, the president of the United States, if he did it for 24 hours? You see what I'm saying? Yes. If you're legacy media and they can tell, man, the Google alerts coming in. And why do I have a, my, my name on Google alerts? Uh, I'm looking for defamation, libel, slander, anything. I got to go back and say, yeah, you don't get to say that about me. That's why we do that. It's a legal thing. But um, all their headlines were all what a disaster this because it is a disaster for them. I mean, Trump did this originally as a candidate in the 2016 cycle, using Twitter to redetermine his talk, to, to reset the narrative of what was discussed. That, that he, he was forcing the media to react to him, not react to them. And he used that, he used that to his advantage. And it's one of the reasons, major reasons he won, the, he won the nomination. He used it to reset. And yes, even though a lot of, well, Steve, you always point out less than 20% of Americans have a Twitter account. It's actually about 26% now. It, it's grown a lot in the last year. 
Okay, so when you're talking about a platform the size of, of Twitter to go from 20 to 26% market penetration in a country the size of the United States, that is some real growth. That's not, you know, I was the last placed Arbitron station in market 320, and now I'm the fastest growing. I mean, there's 330 million people in the US. Twitter's a massive platform. That is a huge level of growth. Still, that means 70, about 75% of Americans aren't on it, right? But as we've always said, Every media narrative that the rest of America sees comes from where? Is hammered out where? Twitter. Is populated where? Twitter. Twitter is what the Associated Press used to be, what the city gate in ancient times used to be. It is Twitter now. And so even though 26% of Americans now have an active Twitter account, 100% of Americans, if they checked in on any news yesterday whatsoever, were doing so and, and at least seeing something about DeSantis's appearance yesterday, just as in 2015, you were getting something in the media, no matter what channel you watched, what paper you read, what blog you were on, somebody was writing something in reaction to something that Trump said on Twitter, right? Same downstream effect here, except now what DeSantis did is he took what Trump kind of launched, and this is maybe a metaphor for the whole Trump-DeSantis dynamic, that in many respects, DeSantis is taking precedence that Trump set and saying, all right, let's let's apply a level of 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 gravitas maturity to them and, and see what happens if they were they random or are these system paradigm shifts. And what you saw is he just said, I'm going to I'm not going to talk to the media at all. You're going to have to come to me. You can all sign in. You can listen. I'm not calling on any of you. I'm not going to let you turn this in to a troll fest or make it a back and forth between me and Trump. Uh, I'm going to go directly to the people and 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 the most direct you can talk to them without you and i think you are absolutely going to see people right and left bypass this model in the future for example if i'm robert f kennedy jr right now man i'm like who do i know that knows elon musk you know what i'm saying i want one of those next week i mean if anybody if i'm a 37 year old guy like vivek ramaswamy who knows all this stuff i'm i'm calling elon musk Probably they probably belong to some of the same clubs. I mean, Vivek's worth what seven hundred million. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say, hey, um, I'll take some of that. Thank you. You know, I don't know if Trump can. We're back to the whole fiduciary thing with Truth Social. I know Benny Johnson at is he at Daily Caller? I want to say right. Yeah, I don't know where he's at. And uh, but uh, and Benny reported that Trump is going to return to Twitter. If that's true, dump your Truth Social investment now. It, it, he'll have to trash it as a platform. I don't think fiduciary wise, legally, he can do both. But I, I think. I think you could feel a great disturbance in the force last night, regardless of what your feelings are about Ron DeSantis. Thoughts? Oh, this was definitely a troll fest, Steve, but it's Ron DeSantis trolling all the right people. He's trolling legacy media. You uh, already laid that out. He's also uh, trolling his uh, detractors on the right who are obsessed with him while also telling me he's irrelevant and way behind the polls and can't win and still obsessing about him over everything and anything which which the, which they did instantly citing the tech numbers but here he has with twitter immediately identifiable volume numbers things like that that are just what they are and he has them in real time and then he is also uh, trolling donald trump and he's doing it by like he's commanding the the space that you said he was you know donald trump really in his heart his heart wants to be here yeah. but now he's put him in a position he can't admit that even more now. now it looks like because he's now reacting he looks, to him. Yes. I'm not setting the pace anymore. Yes. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the commentator. I think it was on MSNBC. He had Brian Stelter on the program after 
Tucker Carlson announced that he's taking his talents to Twitter. And he said something along the lines of, why do this? Is there any chance that we can actually control what he says right, or right. release what he says? What they're actually saying is, well, 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 we're the ones who set the narrative around That's here. exactly right. And that's exactly what you saw and continue to see this morning is a lot of people who are used to just having the luxury and the power to set every single narrative realize they can't. And they can't because they know that Ron DeSantis is the real threat, and he is a real threat. And if you want proof of that, look at the White House last night. They're already releasing attack ads on Ron DeSantis. They're marking Hillary Clinton earlier this week, as you said, in making an in-kind contribution to the DeSantis campaign, branding Florida as ultra MAGA. They know who the real threat is, and they know that if he circumvents them, they have to go wherever he goes to cover him. All right, next point. Um, I mean, I heard this in Iowa as well. I think you saw it if you were on this last night or heard this last night. Ron DeSantis with prepared remarks. Okay. Ron DeSantis off the cuff, just riffing and taking your questions, is a master's class. And now, now some to be fair, some of the off the cuff remark or some of the scripted remarks, just the weird, cringy energy with the tech issues. Already we're gonna make doing that tough, but to come out of that with kind of your prepared stump speech, I think kind of added to the eh, all right. But when they got into the questions, bro, I mean, I think that's why you saw a lot of the Trump people respond with the Instagram, you know, Satan, Hitler thing and all that other stuff, because there were no, there was no more room to talk issues after that, at least not room where Donald Trump is going to be comfortable talking. And so you're they were only left with farce. And I if I'm if I'm if I'm running that campaign and I've met a couple of people who have and they seem pretty smart. Man, I'm putting Ron DeSantis in as many environments as possible where he can just be a conversationalist and not necessarily give an address. Uh, that, that was, I think, another big takeaway I had from last night. Quick thought on that. I agree with all that, but it's not a secret. We've, we've seen DeSantis off the topic all the time and with reporters, antagonistic reporters. I don't, we know he's good at this. We don't need to reinvent the wheel on this conversation. And to those... Uh, you know, every, like in debates we have, a, they all read prepared speeches. That's 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 nothing remotely uh, new there. So your friend uh, Tim Pool made a comment afterwards. He's younger than us, but he said, "Yeah, the guy still needs to work on you know his showmanship or whatever." I I absolutely totally disagree. We've had way too much on that. I po- I, I put the post on there from the Avengers talking about Captain America. We could use a little bit more old fashioned. It stop with the show. The can you actually ask just for a real grown-up who can and will do the job? Aaron? Todd, you are so obviously correct about that comment. Now I'm going to do it to you what you have done to all of us with Trump being like the weather. People want the show. They, they want, want the, the show. And not an insignificant amount of people want the show. Yes. Yeah. I mean, keep shouting it from the rooftops and I'll help you as well. But that's just baked into the cake. I thought the prepared remarks were kind of lame, but... After the, you know, after he got into this um, and he didn't know what questions particularly I don't think were, were coming. Nope. And uh, the question, and we'll get to this actually right away. I'll stop talking. But uh, the answer he gave you on the question you asked was uh, particularly good. So the day before I was asked if I would be willing to ask the governor a question, I was not told what question to, to ask. I wasn't asked to submit a question ahead of time. Um, they made it very clear. And even we all did a brief call, those of us that were asked questions, and that's when I found out who else it was. Dana Lash, Congressman Chip Roy. So like Chip and I are very good friends. I had no idea that I found out yesterday Chip had been asked to ask a question. You know, so um, this we were we were all told 
Um, it was to be unscripted, organic, and um, and they wanted it that way, and Elon definitely wanted it that way for sure. All right, and so because we were discussing immigration as they were coming to me, so Ron obviously knows that's what we're going to be talking about. But I saw that people were telling me that people claimed I gave a scripted question. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, my original intent was to ask another that's question. What, I, but, I asked you yesterday what question you were going to yeah, ask, yeah, and you and, said it's a totally yeah, different topic. Yeah, but we, but, but. They, but they were running out of time, and they, and they, and the immigration issue had not yet truly been addressed. And I'm like, all right, let's address that, okay? And so here's the question that I asked uh, Governor DeSantis. Um, a question is a follow-up to you, Governor, on this very issue with immigration. We have heard a lot over the years: uh, lock her up, drain the swamp, going to build a beautiful wall. Mexico is going to pay for it and crowds cheered and everybody loved it and brands got built and nothing got done. What is the bottom line assurance that you can make to the people that are listening right now all over the world and all over the country that you can actually do the agenda that you just articulated when others tweeted about it and talked about it and then couldn't actually follow through? It's a great question because I shared that frustration. I think even my worst critics in Florida will acknowledge when I tell people I'm going to do something, I don't say, I don't make promises or say I'm going to do something lightly. I thought it through uh, and I know that I am going to follow through on what I tell people I'm going to do. So this is one. There will be follow through. Number two, I understand the different leverage points that you would have under Article Two of the Constitution. I studied that a lot at becoming governor about Florida's Constitution, doing the same thing for the federal Constitution. And you've got to know how to use your leverage uh, to advance what you're trying to accomplish. So, for example, you know, there's leverage that we can use vis-a-vis uh, -vis Mexico that I think presidents have not been not been willing to, to do, I think sometimes for political uh, purposes. Uh, but I'll look at, okay, what are all the variety of options we can do? Which buttons can I push? And I will do that to be able to bring this issue to a conclusion once and for all. We had Hurricane Ian come through Southwest Florida, Category 4 plus storm, September of 2022. And it did a lot of damage. But one of the things it did, it knocked out a bridge going from the mainland to Pine Island, and it severed the Sanibel Causeway in three different locations. And the locals were being told it's going to take six months to get that stuff repaired. And so they came to me, even though these were not state-owned bridges, and they said, can you help us? And I said, okay, I'll do it. So I got my guys together. I said, listen, no bureaucracy, no red tape, and no excuses. Get it done. We need to open these bridges back. Pine Island Bridge reopened three days later. Sanibel Causeway opened two weeks after that, way, way ahead of schedule, because we wouldn't take no for an answer, and we wanted to make sure we got it done. So for me, it is not a campaign uh, slogan that you get in and then forget about it. I'm, as an American citizen, if I wasn't running, this would be an issue that bothers me. I've put a lot of my capital as Florida governor involved in combating illegal immigration. We banned sanctuary cities my first year. We just did a strong anti-illegal immigration bill in Florida that, that's working. Uh, I've put marine assets in the Florida Keys to help the Coast Guard repel boats from places like Haiti. I have people at the southern border right now helping Texas, and we've even been able to relocate illegal aliens to places like Martha's Vineyard. So uh, I don't think any governor has probably gone out of his way to do more to try to make an impact on this issue. And um, I'm not going to take no for an answer. And I think our voters are sick 
of the empty promises. They want to see action. Thoughts? Quickly, because we're running short on time. The answer is the show. I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. That's the show you want. And people tuning into this show, Aaron, that's the show many of them want. But there is a significant number of people that just want a farce. Uh, like this. Uh, somebody uh, on Twitter just sent this to uh, me and Todd. Question for DeSantis. If Florida is really where woke goes to die, yet organizations in your state continue to implement walks policies without repercussions, how can we expect you as president to cur- curtail things at the federal level? And there's some example of some wacky tobacco high school uh, or a health care facility in Florida. So, so he, you mean he doesn't have total control of 21 million people at all times? Um, I hear you. I know, but guys, <laughs> I lived this on a very personal level in this last contested primary cycle. There is going to need to be some form of presentation, some form of sh- showmanship and craftsmanship. Wow. That's just the reality of it's the re- you can't beat it. Now, the fifth point, I, I, wa- I was hoping there would have been more discussion of things like uh, the continued travesty of what is happening to nonviolent January 6th offenders. Uh, Ukraine and foreign policy, uh, because of the the glitches and delays, about 15, 20 minutes of the Q&A time got eaten into. But it's May 25th. The campaign's going to go on for a while, and uh, more of these kinds of questions will get asked. I, I saw that our patriarch, Glenn Beck, asked him this morning about, hey, let's talk get specific about the administrative state. And I heard I saw that he got into some of that. So you'll get some of you'll get plenty of time to get all those kinds of questions answered. Um, but um those are the big five takeaways that, that we had. And, then, you know, we'll talk to the governor himself here later on in the program. When we come back, the borders are for the Trump administration. Ken Cuccinelli on what the hell is going on at this border. We love the fine ministry over at Preborn because that's really what they are. Uh, They are a pro-life ministry. And what they understand is when you are a teenage mother like I was, uh, my mother was, I should say, um, and you're the baby uh, in her belly like I was, uh, they understand that it's those kinds of circumstances that lead women to consider an abortion. Uh, It's desperation. Very few women who are uh, feel secure and fulfilled in their marriages find out they're pregnant and then they're like, let me go get an abortion. Uh, they, usually it's a woman that is in crisis, uh, feels alone, helpless. Um, she's been victimized in some way. Uh, she's desperate. And so they're there. First of all, they, they confront them with the truth. Uh, they show them the ultrasound, let them hear the heartbeat of their baby. And, and they know now that that is not a glob of tissue. That's a human being. That's a separate human being that they are carrying. Um, and and uh, 80% of the time over the years when they have done that, that alone has caused uh, the, the mom to not go ahead and kill her kid. But they know, though, that that mom still needs help. So they offer a bunch of postnatal, prenatal care, all of it for free, and all of it, including the ultrasounds, for free because of tax-deductible donations from people like us. So if you want to see your love go into action, uh, make a donation tax-deductible to our friends over at Preborn. We're trying to help them save 70,000 babies this year here at The Blaze. Pound 250 on your mobile phone and use the keyword baby. Pound 250 with the keyword baby or just go to preborn.com slash Steve. That's preborn.com slash Steve. Ken Cuccinelli is the former attorney general for the state of Virginia. 
Uh, he was the deputy secretary uh, for the Department of uh, for DHS, Homeland Security, and the Trump administration, which basically made him the borders are. And then he ends up now founding a super PAC for Trump's rival. We'll figure out why that happened here in a moment. But let's uh, get to him first and foremost to find out what the hell is going on at the border. And so, Ken, welcome to the show, brother. And that is my first question. What the hell is going on at this border right now? Yeah, there's there's a uh, asking it chaotically. What the hell is going on is a good question. Um, look, you and I look at it and it and it looks like a disaster. But people need to remember, especially who listen to you, Steve, this is intentional policy. This is, you know, we'll get to DeSantis. He says, look, d- the downward slide is a choice. It's not inevitable for America. This this very obvious part of the erasing of our sovereignty and the undermining of America is intentional policy. The radical left of the Democrat Party has got the wheel in the Biden administration and they want millions of people invading this country. Their only concern, and they used this word, is optics. That's their concern. Mm -hmm. But uh, certainly the harm to not just border communities and states, but the fact that every town's a border town now um, is uh, really hurting the Democrats politically. Um, And it's something that, frankly, the Republicans need to step up more on. I commend the House Republicans who have finally formulated a a position together, Um, but really it needs to be a lot tougher than even that, but probably need bigger majority for that. Help our audience, Ken, because this audience won't, you know, raise the Spock one eyebrow at the notion that the uh, dementia uh, riddled president overseeing the Department of Managed Decay is uh, purposefully overrunning the border in the hopes of essentially coming up with a new uh, victim class of people they can manipulate and turn into generational voters. Our, our audience won't be, you know, stunned to hear that or be like, how dare you? OK, but they're going to talk to a lot of people that that will seem way out of the mainstream and way radical right. to them. So can you so, quantify for them when they say this to their family members and neighbors, give them examples of exactly what that looks like and means? Sure. So let's start with taking it out of the crazy category. Um, You talked a lot about H.R. 1, the Democrats' bill for the Washington takeover of elections two years ago. Um, I fought that very hard, and we we succeeded in defeating that. In that bill, the Democrats mandated that every state would dump all of the adults—they didn't use the word citizens— adults onto their state voter rolls. So any adult who came in contact with the state, say they give driver's license to non-citizens, legal or illegal, Mm -hmm. or they come into contact with public health care or adult education, we could go through the list of ways that that happens. It's millions of people who they intentionally ordered to be dumped onto the voter rolls of all the states and... And they then eliminated the criminal penalties for non-citizens voting when they were dumped onto the voter rolls via these mandates. So 
This isn't a conspiracy theory. So in other words, they got rid of the incentives that would stop people from doing this is what you're saying. And so what is your Occam's razor? Why would you do that? You're either mind numbed and dumb and have no ability to read the policies that you're doing or right. That's the other option, right? Or. Yeah. Yes. Or I never assume stupidity on the part of of my opponents and and nor should we. We should assume intentionality. They intend that these millions of people flooding across our borders will be dumped onto the voter rolls and vote for Democrats. And uh, that is part of the plan. That is part of their erasure of sovereignty, not just the border, but of the relevance of being a citizen of the United States, one of the most cherished positions on earth, citizenship of the United States. And we're not, you know, this isn't Ronald Reagan versus um, versus Tip O'Neill anymore. We're not dealing with Democrats who just have a different vision for America. We're dealing with a majority of Democrats in Washington who do not believe America is the greatest country in the history of the world, and they believe America is part of the problem. The founding principles are wrong. That's what we're dealing with now. It's not your father's Democrat Party, and it's those crazies that are driving this administration. That's why, Steve, the president, President Biden, has been underwater with Democrat voters since March of 2021 on the immigration issue. Hmm. This is not, you know, the Democrat who lives two doors down from you. These are radical, crazy people who hate America, and they have the wheel of policy in this administration. So because they have some Malthusian ethic scheme to basically replace voters that don't like them with non-citizens, we have to and and because, on uh, you know, the Chamber of Commerce uh, on the so-called right needs cheap labor uh, right. and, 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 and adult brown people, they can they can treat as chattel. We need to human traffic the brown kids coming across the border. And then in, we've got to in, uh, ingest, you know, mountains of opioids and fentanyl uh, to poison our populace. That's that's basically right. the grand bargain here. That is uh, that's the deal. And you're right to point out the Chamber of Commerce. It is one of the most nefarious organizations when it comes to the long term future of America um, on the right. It, actually, on the right, it's the most nefarious. It is the most problematic. Um, it undermines anybody who wants to fight. All they care about is making a dollar today. They don't care about your children's America tomorrow. They do not care. Hmm. Let's talk about some on the right who have claimed to care, um, if you don't mind. Let me see if I can get you at least a little bit of trouble. It is the Steve Day Show, after all. So Carrie Lake ran for governor of Arizona, uh, vowing to, on day one, declare uh, an invasion under the Constitution of her state. Right. Unfortunately, Maricopa County still is in Arizona, and she is not governor right now. <laughs> uh, the, the governor of Texas, uh, he did formally declare, Greg Abbott, a, a, yeah. an invasion several months ago which, you know, he had been pressured to do for about at least a year, finally did it. And then, you know, we kind of sat here for weeks and months and thought, I don't know, when you when you claim you've been invaded, doesn't someone send in the cavalry? I mean, doesn't, doesn't right. I mean, we're the Mounties, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no mobilization. It's an invasion. Okay, so great. What's the mobilization against it? Um, is, am I being too harsh of a critic here? Oh, no, you're being gentle and polite. Um for two years of Operation Lone Star, you notice they never, it's always called cool stuff, Operation Lone <laughs> Star. It's never Operation, we're going to stand there while you walk by us. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and uh, that would be too accurate. For two years, it was all photo ops. They spent billions of Texas dollars doing nothing to slow the flow. Um, you're right. Abbott did declare under the Constitution, the very end of Article One, if folks want to go read it, um, that when states are invaded, they have the benefit of war powers. That's an uncomfortable set of words for people to say, but we're not talking about tanks and planes. All you got to do is stand in their way and turn them back around into Mexico. That's all they got to do. And he only started doing that in parts of the border about a week or two ago. Hmm with the final um, elimination of Title 42 by the Biden administration. And when he finally started doing something somewhere on the border, then Governor DeSantis and the governor from Idaho, um, they offered, hey, well, we'll send, you, we'll send you troops and law enforcement to help you do that, since that actually matters. Um, it's really been very unfortunate that Abbott has sat on his heels so long and um, has been so passive um, when they could have slowed this down. They can't stop, they can't take care of the California, New Mexico, Arizona borders, which is why the Kerry Lake election would have changed things. But he could have done this and could have been doing this over 80, 60% of the border, the 1200 miles of Texas border. And he's only just beginning in some places and we still can't really tell how widespread their efforts to actually repel invaders are. Why? Can can you ran for governor? Yeah. Right? You wanted a job like what Greg currently has. Right. Why? Why? Steve, you would be amazed how many people run and they talk so tough and and then they get there and they are mice. Greg is risk averse. He just is. He always has been. I tell people. So the people in those border towns have to risk being overrun with crime. People in wealthy suburbs upstate in Texas who can afford the drugs, the high end drugs on the street, have to risk their kids being the next overdose right. written about in the local newspaper. So they're going to take all the risks then. That's that's where they land and beyond, of course. I mean, the rest of America is really counting on Greg Abbott. And um, we're only just now seeing some level of performance. I would point this out. I, I met him when we were both attorneys general, and it's easy to look tough as a Republican attorney general with a Democrat president who's overreaching like Obama was. Anybody can look tough there. Mm -hmm. That doesn't tell you how tough they're going to be when they've got to sign their name to the dotted line of putting men and women on the line to stand between you and trouble. And Greg Abbott has had a hard time doing that. So that brings me to the final question here. How did the guy who was borders are for the president who became president? I mean, went from zero. I mean, Trump was was polling at zero on May 25th to, or at one, one percent in Iowa on May 25th, 2015. I wouldn't looked it up this morning. One percent. Did you? That's pretty funny. By August 15th of 2015, he is darn near now tied for the lead. And it's all because during that early portion of the summer he championed the immigration issue so yes. so you're the borders are of the guy that blew up all the elites on this issue and rode that all the way to the nomination and then the white house and now you're running a super PAC for his campaign rival how did that happen well it happened because i got to see it up close we the president you know made good decisions 
but he didn't have good preparation and he had sometimes terrible follow through and he and he he hired almost randomly he hired you know every fourth person was against his own agenda and when that became obvious he wouldn't let them go you compare that to DeSantis's management and leadership in Florida it's about the agenda it isn't about the man and he only hired people on board to achieve the goals he was pursuing and when you when you stock up your people that way, personnel is policy, you make a lot more headway. We could have made a lot more headway while I was there if we didn't have to fight Trump's own White House. And I will say on the legal immigration front, he didn't keep his promises. He didn't often even try. And, um, and that was unfortunate. It was poor performance. And it, it came at the sacrifice of American workers, including middle class workers. You think of H-1B visas and um, and that that made it an easy choice for me, because for me, it isn't personal. I still like President Trump. Uh, I have met Ron DeSantis, but it's not like we're pals or something. This is about what's best for America. And I can tell you as a guy who is the chief operating officer for the Department of Homeland Security, when we were getting the job done on illegal immigration, that Ron DeSantis is much better prepared to do a much better job for much longer, eight years, not four, than Donald Trump. I mean, the guy built a bridge after a hurricane in three days. <laughs> he fixed a causeway in 10. Um, that's the kind of get it done attitude that we really need um, from a leader in America today, and only Ron DeSantis brings it. His his list of accomplishments as a chief executive is decades long. We literally haven't had a chief executive this successful in decades. And it's not just things like how to respond to emergencies, which isn't partisan. That's just, are you good at it or not? Mm -hmm. And he has proven he is in one of the toughest states for that test. But he also has made major accomplishments in every area of concern for conservatives, every single one, including areas like higher ed, that even I thought, you know, um, I mean, no person is beyond redemption, but I certainly thought that institution might be. And he proved it's not, it's recoverable. He's the first person to make major headway in higher ed to take it back from the Marxist indoctrin indoctrinators and to give it back to the to students who really come with an open mind to learn how to learn, not be told what to think. Amazing. Name of the uh, super PAC that uh, Ken is a part of is Never Back Down. Neverbackdown.org is their website if you want to learn more. It's good to see you again, Ken Cuccinelli. Thank you for joining us on the show. We'll have you back, okay? God bless. Good to be with you. Thanks, Steve. You bet. You want to talk about a guy who one of the worst screw jobs in the history of the Republican Party establishment is what happened to him. Uh, it's a key part of my my very first wide-release book, Rules for Patriots, of what the establishment did to him in Virginia. Real screw job that led to Terry McAuliffe yet just raping that state. But anyway, your thoughts on that conversation. Ken absolutely gets it. The show is his accomplishments. Anything after that is the gravy. The, it, you have to fundamentally want Ron DeSantis for that reason. I full stop. You're wasting your time. I, I, I hear everything people saying about what people want these days, but I, the great Hindu prophet that I mentioned yesterday, what if the people are retarded? And on this, they are. 
Oh, gosh. Aaron, go ahead. You have a quick thought. Todd is bound and determined to make retard great again. Yeah, let's drop that one if we could, if you don't mind. Okay, we'll come back. Hour two is next. Stay tuned. All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin, and all of you. And you can all let us, hopefully, though, not all at once. Let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Gitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also follow me on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. That's at Real Steve Dace there. If you listen to the podcast, thank you so much. Please, if you haven't done this yet, leave us a five-star review if you like the show. Hit subscribe, or if you're on iTunes, follow. And thank you to each and every one of you that have done such things for us already. We appreciate them. And we always appreciate a brand new partner on the show. And so when someone comes on the show to partner with us for the first time, I want to make sure I give them a spotlight, top of the show, top of the hour. So for example, today that's Miracle Brand Sheets. Just got these shipped to me, have not yet had a chance to switch them out, So, I'm, but I'm anxious to try them because the temperature at night, particularly as we head into the summer months, can be one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality, whether you wake up too hot or too cold. And I highly recommend, therefore, you check out uh, Miracle Made's bed sheets inspired by NASA. They use silver-infused fabrics and make temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. And did you know that the traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? Oh, boy. You know, the Danny Tanner and me just got really creeped out saying that out loud. <laughs> All right. Um, it can lead to acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and more. It's just gross. Well, Miracle Made offers a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding, such as sheets, pillowcases, comforters that prevent 99% of bacteria. Take it from someone who just had a life-threatening bacterial infection. You could use all the help against that you can get. Also requires three times less laundry, self-cooling, self cleaning, luxurious comfort and quality. You can go to trymiracle.com slash dace. Trymiracle.com slash dace to try the Miracle Made sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save a massive 40% off. You cannot beat that. A massive 40% off. And you'll get three free towels if you use the promo code dace at checkout and get an extra 20% off. I mean, we can't make this much better for you. I mean, Miracle Made's got to make at least a minimum. They're a a miracle. That's the name of the company. It's still, though, you know, running on profits, not miracles. All right, so they can't make this any more affordable for you than 40% off. Use the promo code DACE, get three free towels, and save an extra 20% when you go to trymiracle.com slash DACE. That's trymiracle.com slash DACE. A couple of breaking news items. Um, some of the questions that Ron DeSantis did not get last night uh, during the Q&A session, he is getting now as he's doing his, uh, in, they, they sometimes refer to this as the car wash. They show up at the ESPN campus and do all the, they put you to the car wash. You do all the shows. He's doing that right now. I mean, he's doing every significant show that he, on the right, right now after his announcement. And he'll be on ours here at the bottom of this hour. But already this morning, he has uh, reiterated 
um, about uh, going after the weaponization of uh, FBI and DOJ, not retaining Christopher Wray as FBI director. Uh, Trump's choice there, who has been just abysmal, uh, including to Trump. Uh, and uh, that was what he said this morning to, uh, to Glenn Beck. Um, also said that the Blaze should be able to host a presidential debate in the primary as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then he just told uh, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton, I want to make sure I get Clay's uh, tweet on this uh, exactly correct. Um, here's what Clay just tweeted. Quote, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says if he's elected, said on our show, if he's elected president on his first day in office, he will consider pardoning any January 6th defendant he believes was politically prosecuted from a member of the public all the way to President Trump himself. Quick thoughts on those two things before we move on to Theology Thursday. Um, I'm shocked that somebody brought these up less than 24 hours after the first day when he was denying everything and anything. Come on, I'm sure folks. he. I'm sure he was totally yes. ambushed by said questions and Good did grief. not know they were coming. Florida, just some podunk state that's just completely off the grid and not aware of what is happening and trending nationally. If every yes. question is not asked on day one, they can never be asked again. That was yesterday's narrative. That was fun. Hmm. I would echo what uh, Julie Kelly, our friend at American Greatness, uh, said in response to the latter story, which is basically everyone, uh, political persecution. There are some who engaged in, in violence, we know that, but pretty much everybody who has been persecuted were persecuted for right. political reasons. Right. If, um, did you guys see the Laura Loomer video this morning of blacks for Trump criticizing Ron DeSantis for being anti-CRT? Did, I, I had to watch. I, I, I thought it was myself. a parody. I, I had to watch. I couldn't. Because I'm like, the Babylon Bee has truly topped itself. Because we were like joking that this was going to happen. DeSantis has been in the race for 12 hours yes. and they already did it. She was already was doing blacks for Trump. Why DeSantis and there and DeSantis is a racist uh, because he won't allow critical race theory into the Florida schools. I mean, the, the videos in my Twitter feed, you can watch it for yourself. I didn't believe it. OK, I had to watch it for myself. And I did. And that that is the actual video, Aaron. I was in uh, Casey's yesterday picking out a processed meat stick where all good ideas come from, or all uh, ding <laughs> ideas come from. Now, this is a can of worms, but maybe at some point we should discuss. This, this thought came to me. With all of Trump's political persecution, yes, whether it's Georgia or in D.C. with the documents handling, or whether it's in the phony baloney 31 felonies in New York City. 34. 34. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is conceivable there is a point in this primary process where Donald Trump legally sees his best way forward as actually supporting Ron DeSantis. Oh, to get a pardon? Well, one of the things I think that I've been told is all these um, sham attempts to destroy him by the left basically forced him into running again because if he was a, if he was a private citizen, he wouldn't have the platform to point out. This is a sham, political sham. And by running again, it's it, and this is actually really smart. By running again, then it gives him a platform to point out that these are political prosecutions, meaning it's more obvious if you're a candidate sure. than if you're a private citizen. Oh, sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and I was told that by somebody who's very well connected in Trump world, and that's a very smart play of that. I'm not saying I'm not saying that that's the only reason he's running. I'm just saying one of the considerations were if they're going to come at me with all of these political Agreed. persecutions, make myself a candidate then. Like if, like, like if we're listing, if he was making lists, I don't know where it ranks on the list. I was just told it was a factor that 
It does make it more obvious what they're trying. I mean, look, just to boost Trump's case here, I pointed this out the other day on Twitter. So they, they set, do you guys see, we didn't even mention this, they set the trial date in New York. <laughs> yeah. All right, for the first of those, for those 34 felonies for, for uh, AD uh, or DA Bragg. Did you guys see the date they set? It's so March it a, 25th March. of next year. All right, so this is such a dire thing. Yes. All right, now just stay with me for a minute. This is such a dire thing that we've got a perp walk Trump, perp walk Trump halfway across the damn country. All right, to so, to walk in. All right, to to get indicted, and that has to be done now. I mean, it's a threat. It, I'm sorry, it's a danger to our democracy. This has to be done now, right now. Everything else going on in the in the world, this has to happen now. For these 34 felonies, but the trial's not till March 25th of next year. Folks, this will be after, right now, Trump is the perceived front runner in the race. He is the betting favorite in the race. It is very likely by March 25th of next year, you're going to know whether he's the nominee or not. I mean, if Ron DeSantis doesn't win Iowa or Florida, I'm sorry, Iowa or New Hampshire, this is over. And, and if Chris Sununu runs, New Hampshire won't even be on the table. Like our buddy Bob Vanderplatz. He's like, if DeSantis doesn't win Iowa, he's done. Okay, so March 25th is after Super Tuesday. I mean, it, 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 there's at least 50% odds. At least we're going to know who the GOP nominee is by March 25th. And right now, the perceived front runner is Trump, right? So essentially, we just watched Democrats schedule a, tr- a criminal trial for a guy who has a relatively decent chance of being the presumptive Republican nominee or their opponent Right around the time he would become the presumptive nominee. I'm sure, to quote the great prophet Nefarious, probably just a coincidence. Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? That's so freaking thinly veiled and transparent, it's not even either. So yeah, I think it's a really smart play to run it for no other reason than just to point out how much of a sham all of this is by making myself a candidate. They're even, and they're making your case for you by the way they've scheduled these out and plotted these out. That was a perfect weather forecast right there. <laughs> Here's the one thing I do want to say that this is showing, though. I, I, last night you saw the Instagram thing and the... and. Uh, Trump was actually responding on Truth Social to the question that I asked DeSantis. He was the thing about the the red button. I didn't understand it honestly. That was actually in response to the question that I asked. Okay, and um, what you're seeing already now. I mean, he has gone further than Trump has on the January sixth prisoners. They're they're running out of issues, and we're we're not even a day into this. I mean, he's been officially been a candidate for eighteen hours. Ron DeSantis has. We are barely a day into this, and you're running into the point that essentially the one issue that Trump's going to have left is Trump. Now, don't think that's not a significant issue. There's a lot of people that don't care what positions Trump takes on anything at any given time. They just want him, believe in him, trust in him, hope in him, enjoy him, or entertained by him, and all of the above, or a mixture of some and not others, him. They just want him. And it's not insignificant. Now, I don't think it's a plurality of Republican primary voters. I don't think it's a majority. But is it like 30%? I bet you it is. Okay? And that you can win a lot of primaries and a lot of caucuses with 30%, brother, depending on how many people are in the race. Particularly if you know you're 30% showing up no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. That's not an insignificant number. Um, but this is, this is the issue slate. And I think the, the way they reacted last night, 
with, you know, his, you know, silly post on truth that the, the Instagram thing, I must admit making Satan gay. I did laugh at that and appreciated it. Um, but that, so that Instagram post, the loomer thing, which is just bat poop nuts. Okay. I mean, it's it dude, bats called and said, listen, man, we have dropped a lot of poop. None of it has been anything like what that video is. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know what's below bat poop nuts. Do you guys know? I don't know what's below that. Okay. I mean, what, what, you know, in, in terms of the poop, Pangolin. Uh, phylum hierarchy. Yeah, pangolin. I don't know. Pangolin poop. Pangolin. Okay. <laughs> but I thought this was theology Thursday. <laughs> but, 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 and, and it is kind of theology, actually. It's going to be a good segue here in a minute. They're, they're, they're quickly being left barely a day into this with nothing other than that kind of Trumpian stuff. But there are a lot of people that just want the Trumpian stuff. Don't underestimate that. I don't. Actually, I want to get to that point sooner rather than later. I okay. want to make that bare. Why is that? Why are there a lot of people that just want the Trumpian stuff, regardless of results or regardless of what principles or ideologies are behind it? This next chapter of kingdom politics explains it. And we're on, we went to introduction last week. This week we're doing chapter one, the ruler of nations. And we're doing a book study for Theology Thursday on Dr. Tony Evans' kingdom politics, returning God to government. And I want to talk I'm going to lead off the conversation, the portion where he talks about a, quote, spiritual pandemic. Beneath these pandemics, though, lies the greatest pandemic of them all. It's a spiritual pandemic. And if we don't get this one fixed, then we won't have the, the cultural glue necessary uh, to be whole again. The Bible makes it clear that everything physical and visible is preceded by that which is invisible and spiritual. You Catholics would call it the laws of, bind, of binding, Right. And binding and loosening, yeah, that's what you guys would call it, right? Um, if you want to connect, if you want to correct the physical and the visible, you must identify and address the invisible and spiritual. If all you see is what you see, you do not see all there is to be seen. The calamity we face today is because there has been an unaddressed spiritual issue, first and foremost by the church, which has then bled into the culture. If we fail to fix the spiritual, it doesn't matter how many king's horses and how many king's men we attempt uh, to put the situation uh, back together again. Nothing will change throughout our precious land. He goes on to say much more, but whammo. Right there. That's the answer. That is the answer. Now, I, I spent two years nearly two years having multiple conversations with Donald Trump. And all of them were very substantive. None of them were name callings and silliness and trolling. I mean, he was very intelligent, very informed, knew his stuff. Um, I I think in the end, he's a salesman. And I think he has calculated uh, that really people don't, most people don't want that stuff. They, They want the troll and he's giving them the troll. And there's an audience. There's a perpetual audience for that. And why is that? It, it's because without the spiritual foundation, the best you can do, the best, the best the people can do amongst themselves without a spiritual foundation and the right spiritual foundation, the right one, the best we can do, history shows, is the French Revolution. That's the best we can do. Vo populi. But then we bring out the guillotines. We replace uh, Mother Mary with uh, the Virgin Mary with uh, the goddess of reason and the reign of terror begins. We just go from one mob, a smaller one called elites, to a larger mob. And we go by the wisdom of mobs. And it's the golden rule. Whoever has the gold gets to make the rules. And in this case, the peasants do. 
and they end up just acting exactly like the elites they just overthrew. That's the best we can do. That's the best we can do. And that's why the American Revolution succeeded when so many others did not. Proclamations like no king but Jesus. Our rights come from God, the God of the Bible, and not from government. Handing out of the Geneva Bible as one of the first acts of the Continental Congress. Why the Geneva Bible? Because it was a direct it was a direct response to the King James Bible, which elevated the uh, which elevated the divine rights of kings. And so they went after the Geneva Bible after the Protestant Reformation. These these things were these things were laid by a spiritual foundation. And in response to that spiritual foundation, you ended up with the constitutional republic we have today. I'll never forget this poll. I've mentioned it many, many times. Missouri, we did a poll on the Cruz campaign in Missouri, which at the time there were two states where uh, 50% or a majority of the people in the general population went to church on a regular basis. There were two states left. Utah was number one, and we're meaning that not people claiming to be believers, but the general population, a majority of the general population still went to church more than twice a month. Utah was the only state left. Second was Missouri. It was almost exactly 50%. And in the, in the Missouri primary, we did a poll on the Cruz campaign, and I'll never forget this. And here's what it found. If you claim to be a born-again Christian or evangelical, and you didn't know the first name of your pastor, or you, hadn't been to, or you don't go to church more than once a month, you voted overwhelmingly for Donald Trump. If you claim to be a born-again Christian or evangelical, and you knew the first name of your pastor, and went to church at least twice a month, you voted overwhelmingly for Ted Cruz. And I think in the end, I think Trump often has become a caricature that is the best our, many, of, many of our people are capable of given their current level of debasement, given the lack of spiritual, um, I mean, the stuff you see with Jesus's hand on Trump as he's signing stuff, they didn't do that stuff, they, you know. I mean, Abraham Lincoln, one of his most famous lines was, I'm not, during the Civil War, I'm not saying that God is on our side, we're trying to get on his. It was just a different time and a different paradigm. You know, and I, and I think that the spiritual immaturity, the secularization has spawned itself, gentlemen, on both sides of America's cultural divine, uh, divide. It has, become, it has become openly demonic doctrines of demons policies on the left and on the right it has become faux messiahs faux saviors that's why right away yesterday someone someone sent us the buy seller hold I, I teared up what nope you didn't tear up watching Ron DeSantis if you did don't tell me I don't want to know stuff like that nor did you get to throw up your leg all right like if you're related to him hey I, that's my uncle that's my cousin that's my boy that's my son that's my husband running for president that's tear up a right right okay five minutes into this he hasn't done anything worthy of tearing up yet guys all right Nothing more than that. Been a candidate for five minutes. Don't. Don't. But we, we can't, in, in the time of the judges, we can't help ourselves. We can't help but come up with these idols because we're, we're, we're culturally so far estranged from our creator. And this is the best we can do. No one rises above their own worldview. This is the best we can do. Thoughts? And then where do you want to go next, Todd? Well, I I absolutely agree on summing up what the, why this Trump show works for people. I do think you nailed it. There's 
Those are the eyes to see and the ears to hear that they have. It's it's not particularly complicated, mm-hmm. but I, I do, there's so much noise. I think you're right. I want to go there. First, I want to say I'm ashamed. I only knew of Tony Evans peripherally until the last two years. I mean, I knew who he was, but uh, then Bob Vanderplatz and the family leader invited him to last year's mm-hmm. uh, summit. And he was phenomenal. I, I am... I. I needed him in my life. He's a genius communicator, both in person and uh, in writing. Uh, just fantastic stuff. Now, but I am, I'm I'm vibing with him because he's clearly uh, my uh, brother from another mother. If you'll remember last week when we discussed the introduction, and he's talking about how much time the Bible spends talking about corporate uh, spirituality, government, etc. He talked about uh, Kings and Chronicles. When I said, well, I said, hey. I, those, those there's it, there's big uh, Bible stories everybody knows in those, but those can be slogs as well. Bible stories everybody knows uh, from the first eleven chapters uh, of Genesis, and that describes most of human history. I said maybe he'll talk about it. I hadn't read ahead to it enough. He spends all his time talking about Babel mm-hmm. and absolutely nails it. Absolutely nails it. And what does he tell you about God's command? And he was going to commit it. And he was going to make sure it happened, whether you came along for the ride or not. He told you to go for it. The Great Commission happened before the Great Commission happened in Matthew. He did not want, he wanted to scatter you. And the Tower of Babel is about, no, you stayed in one place. And what did you get? You got comfortable. I mean, me and Tony, we're like this. We're thick as thieves. That's exactly what he's telling you. And he uses something that's mind-blowing, and it's, it, but most people don't connect the dots. The technology of the time, he reads it from Scripture, was the bricks. And how you weren't, you weren't mobile, you weren't nimble. You, 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 you planted uh, these roots that he never intended you to plant. You got too comfortable, and that made you sloppy. Spiritually, first and foremost. I, I, if this is where this book keeps going, it's a tour de force. It obviously g- agrees with themes I've been on, but I, I keep nailing um, because right now we are crack addicts in this culture in our addiction to comfort. And unless the church helps people break that, and it is not your destiny to sit around in your two-car garage in your house and have the stuff and look around, and you are the same as everybody else. You can't be. You're a Christian. You're not allowed to be. Great chapter, Tony. Aaron, before we get to you, a word about our friends over at Pure Health. Now is the time to take care of your liver. The latest data shows adults with fatty liver are three and a half times more likely to have heart failure than those without. Maybe up to 100 million Americans right now have some form of fatty liver and are at risk. We put our livers through a lot over the years. Cholesterol, alcohol, toxins, Tylenol, statins. Even 20% of the population still smokes cigarettes. That's why if you've got a, if you've got a sluggish fatty liver can be also difficult just to gain weight and uh, and hold on and, and have energy. Give it the recharge it needs with Liver Health Formula, the all-natural supplement, which contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that help recharge and protect your liver. It's manufactured right here in the USA, approved by American doctors. You can try Liver Health Formula and receive a free bottle of their nano-powered omega-3s to keep your heart healthy when you try liver formula by going to getliverhelp.com slash Steve and claim your free bonus gift, Get Liver Health, Liver Help, I should say, getliverhelp.com slash Steve. Again, that's getliverhelp.com slash Steve and get your free gift as well at getliverhelp.com slash Steve.
at least for the early part of this chapter that we're on, I think this small paragraph kind of sums up the overall message. When the spiritual is out of alignment in the social, political, economic, technological, and environmental areas of life become chaotic, the good news is that when people and nations return to God relationally under his kingdom rulership, he can bring order and peace to a chaotic environment. And along the lines of what you were saying, you cannot divorce the unseen from the seen. I think the biggest lie that the enemy has sold and has been bought by the Christian church is that we have conflated things that ought not be conflated and put at odds obvious truths that are not at odds with each other. Comes to mind the Ask Dace Anything submission earlier this week from a well-meaning, I think, lady who said, I find, I'm finding myself at odds with being so thankful that we still, even in its diminished state, we still get to live in America. I find that at odds with confronting and pointing out and exposing the evil and shining light on it. Those things are not at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. They are the same impulse. Mm-hmm. I don't want to confront evil. It's not a loving thing to do. Conflating things that ought not be conflated. Love is not the same as niceness. Preach. This is what happens when we divorce the seen from the unseen. And I would, I would posit this. I think a lot of what we see now on the American right is that we have this Venn diagram of beliefs. And a lot of them overlap, whether it's immigration, whether it's on the trainee stuff, whether it's on any number of things that the left is turning upside down and on its head. The disconnect is that that Venn diagram is made up of people who just believe that because XYZ or think it's XYZ or believe what they believe about the tranny stuff, the rainbow jihad stuff, the border, whatever thing we're, we're talking about, believe what they believe because it's right. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is the biggest. So that's why we have sometimes we tri- people with no worldview, like Donald Trump, trip into doing the right thing. But when there's any resistance because there's no worldview there, they're not doing it because it's right. They're doing it because they just think that. When they meet resistance, it's wholly inadequate. It's wholly inadequate. And I would also, I'll just end with this as well. The reason Donald Trump has so many people in his and under his wing that love them some Donald Trump no matter what he believes or says in because a lot of people are like Donald Trump. Yeah. A lot of people are like yep. him. That's why. Hmm. I mean, ultimately, it's very rare. I mean, it's very rare that a democratically elected, I'm not saying we're a democracy, I'm talking about an election process. It is very rare that a cleanly democratically elected candidate transcends the era in which he's from. Reagan didn't. Reagan was a member of the gen- greatest generation. He was, the, he was just the final chapter of that generation's ascendancy um, and, and, and era. I would argue maybe the last, the last democratically elected candidate um, that transcended his era was Churchill. And then and then after he basically saved the realm yeah. and saved Western civilization, they they voted him out of office. Yes, they did. <laughs> okay, so I mean it's it's just very rare 
that you're not a product of the era in which you come from, um, or that you, that you tran that you're able to transcend it because that's part of the democratic process is people do tend to number one, more than anything else, vote for people they like or are like them period more than anything else. People tend to vote for people they like or people that are like them. Right? I mean, Ron DeSantis is 45. I'm 49. I'm an ideologue. So is he. I only care about results. I don't need friends. Neither does he. This is where Can you're... you see why there, there would be a, even if I don't know anything, there just would be a natural affinity because oh. we like people that are like us and that we like. Okay. It's also very juvenile. This is why your comparison you've made many, many times about uh, choosing a car mechanic is so important. None of that makes a damn bit of difference to you. You want your car to work. That's right. Which is why if if this if is Trump, the president, which is why if Trump is better on the stuff I care about and runs Ron DeSantis yes. over in this primary, I'm like, hand me my red hat and let's roll. Because right? in the end, that's my priority. Yes, I agree. But I don't know how. I, I just. I want to be proven wrong. Believe me. I, <laughs> we're not here. Someone sent me a note. I like it when you smack your lips because that usually means something really important is about to be said. So let me smack my lips right now. Um, the country didn't get here because it has been a, it's been a multi-generational collective instinct to put first things first. Course. Okay. I mean, that's just obvious. I didn't. I. I didn't weigh once weigh four hundred pounds because I wasn't because I was not eating an entire box of Lucky Charms for breakfast every morning with chocolate milk, but because I was. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. back here on the Steve Day Show, and let's not waste any more time. He is the man of the hour after announcing his campaign for president last night. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is here with us on the program. And uh, Governor, you and I had a chance to exchange some pleasantries beforehand after uh, last night's event. And so since uh, the meter's running, I'm, if you're okay with it, let's just get right to substantive issues. All right, let's let it rip. All right, let's, let's, let's start with a question I have been dying to ask you for about two years. And I, I've normally when someone comes on the scene, comes to my home state of Iowa or nationally for the first time, there's this, you know, uh, compulsion to vet them strenuously on the issues. But you have a pretty extensive record on the issues. So my question is a little different. What what drives and motivates you? I mean, you are you have done things we have not seen an elected Republican do, frankly, the kinds of things shows like this and books like the ones I write have contemplated on the right for 20 plus years and have never actually manifested or materialized. And I think a lot of people are almost suspicious, like no one can be this good. What There must be an ulterior motive, another agenda. What is the core of Ron DeSantis? What, what's, your, what's, what's your main driver as a man, as a person? Well, from a very early age, uh, I always just believe that the only thing I can control is whether I'm getting the most out of my own God-given talents. And if I can look in the mirror and say that I am doing that, then, then I'm at peace. And the rest of this stuff doesn't really matter. There's a lot of stuff you can't control in life. And I always applied that in athletics, when I was in school, when I was in the military. And so when you get into elected office, you know, my view is, is okay, I, I became governor, say, in 2019. 
Uh, I had a lot of meat on the bones to go after. And I can worry about polls. I can worry about punditry. I can worry about all those things. Or uh, I could just worry about, am I getting every little uh, last piece of juice out of that lemon to make life better for the people uh, that I represent? And so I think because I have that frame of mind, I'm doing things that other Republicans don't do, in part because they don't want to face blowback. Uh, when they do it, because there's certain things that the media is going to attack you for. Uh, there's certain things the left's going to attack you for. Heck, during COVID, I was getting attacked by Republicans as well for standing against Fauci and some of the other stuff. And I just, for whatever reason, that doesn't bother me. In some respects, it's confirmation that I'm doing the right thing. I just need to be able to look in the mirror and say, okay, are you doing everything in your power uh, to do what you said you do and, and to make life better for these people. And I think that's part of the reason why we were able to stand uh, strong during COVID when we were taking positions that were, quite frankly, very much against the grain of the rest of the country. Kids being in school. I mean, I was called a child murderer for demanding and, and forcing all of our schools to be open in the summer of 2020. But I knew it was the right thing to do. I knew I'd be vindicated on substance. I didn't know the politics was going to work out. Uh, but I was at peace uh, to let the chips fall where they may. Let's go to COVID uh, quickly. Uh, you talked a lot about it last night. You mentioned it again. Um, and this is something, an, an issue I've worked uh, very tirelessly on with a mutual friend of ours, Daniel Horowitz, the last few I years. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and someone, you know, someone gave me the book at one of my events when it came out. And, and she was so nice and so happy she gave it to me. And I was just like, I was like, man, my wife ordered that two weeks ago. So you, you keep it. So yes, we had it when it first came out. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. We have, we are estimating there are 10,000 small businesses that are never coming back because of lockdowns. Um, we've all had to learn what the term excess deaths means. Um, it's a, we had to, and we still haven't really solved that riddle. A lawsuit was filed this week against the Biden administration by those vaccine injured. So many healthcare workers, military workers, uh, or personnel that were expunged, purged for not taking this experimental shot still have not been made whole in terms of salaries, benefits. My wife's a therapist. She can tell you about the mental health crisis, particularly with young people right now uh, on the back end of what went on, the madness over the last few years. What did you do in Florida? Are you are you doing to hold accountable the people who did this to us? And then what would you be willing to do as president? So I actually convened a statewide grand jury, which is something you apply to the Florida Supreme Court for under our Constitution. And they have wide ranging investigatory powers, can bring criminal charges, but can also issue reports. And we did it about this whole issue of these MNRA COVID shots because basically there were representations made to people, uh, forget about mandates, because we banned the mandates in Florida, but just representations that people ended up doing it, um, and then they had side effects, um, or they've had other things happen. And so that is underway, uh, that's going on. I'm not permitted to be involved in that because it's a secret procedure, but I would imagine they are gonna probably issue a report sometime this year, uh, they do have uh, ability to recommend criminal charges if, if that is something that they find evidence of. But I think that they're going to find, uh, and they've got a lot of great experts, I think, that are lined up to help in that. And so I think we're the only ones in the country that have done anything even close uh, to that. And of course, we were the first state in the country, I believe, to ban the vax mandates. And a lot of people said, oh, Biden can't mandate. Yeah, of course, we agree with that. 
but there were big corporations like Disney that wanted to mandate it regardless of what the federal government was doing. And our view was in Florida, you have a right to work. Uh, you shouldn't have to choose between a jab you don't want and a job that you need. And so we protected private sector, not just against workers, not just against government intervention, but also private. Now, as president, um, there was a report that um, I uh, had spoken with Bobby Kennedy Jr. And I think he had said that the governor said that, you know, we need to burn to the ground, uh, the CDC and all these things. And I just want to be very clear, Steve, full disclosure. I was not that kind to CDC and, and, and NIH, any of those. So just, just for the record, just so your, your uh, viewers don't think I'm going soft, but I can't think of a more catastrophic response uh, than how this country responded to COVID, particularly at the federal level with people like Dr. Fauci, uh, with the CDC, uh, with the FDA, and nothing has been done about it to hold any of those folks accountable. In fact, I think they're planning on basically uh, uh, institutionalizing lockdowns as the preferred method of combating a pathogen. They wanna do this WHO nonsense. Incidentally, we did a medical freedom bill in Florida that had a lot of stuff about protecting individuals, but we actually said, we will not do WHO guidance. No local government can do it. If they wanna do it, they need to get approval by the Surgeon General of Florida, and I think you know our Surgeon General, mm -hmm. and that's not something he's gonna be doing um, for Fauciism. So I think you gotta go in on day one, uh, and I think you have a massive medical swamp up there. Uh, I think you need to clean house. You gotta be willing to use Article Two power to fire people. This idea that you can't fire anybody um, is absurd. So you gotta do that, um, and you gotta really make sure that there is um, accountability, uh, and that people, um, you know, who, who, who harm people uh, are, are brought to justice uh, the best way that we can. You're not going to get any of that, of course, with this current administration. And I think I'm probably the only candidate running on the Republican side uh, that would want to do this because I think everyone else is like, oh, let's just move on. I can tell you this, Steve, if we just move on, it's going to happen again. I've got less than two minutes. I want to show you a tweet yesterday from one of your campaign rivals, Vivek Ramaswamy, because it's the kind of stuff you'll get asked about uh, in debates. And he writes, interesting to know whether Ron DeSantis would have supported the bailout of Silicon Valley bank depositors since his mega donor, David Sachs, was the most vocal supporter of the bailout. And he's moderating this Twitter spaces with Ron tonight. How would you respond to that, Governor? I've already publicly said I oppose bailing out Silicon Valley bank. Uh, first of all, I don't support bank bailouts, period. But the theory behind them is, oh, if there's one that's systemically important, no one could argue S Silicon Valley Bank was systemically important. It was a niche bank where a lot of VC and wealthy people put money in. These are some of the most sophisticated people in our entire country, and they were putting in a lot of cash way, way in excess of the 250,000 FDIC insurance limit. So uh, I opposed it publicly. Um, I still oppose it. You know, I've got a lot of folks that support me. Uh, people don't necessarily agree with 100% of the things I do. That's fine. I do what I want to do. If you want to support, great. If you don't want to support, uh, that's fine too. Governor, look forward to continuing this conversation uh, throughout the course of the campaign. Welcome you to the campaign as well, and uh, we'll see you in Iowa next week. All right, God bless. Hey, God bless. Thank you. Thank you. That's Governor Ron DeSantis with us here on Blaze TV. We'll get some uh, quick reaction. Then in the overtime, we'll bring in our Blaze TV contributor and colleague, uh, Jill Savage, and have a more in-depth conversation. But first, let me remind you about our friends at My Patriot Supply. Did you hear Ken Cuccinelli at the opening of the show? 
back in the first hour, just laying out very specific. See what Trump's borders are, just laying out very specific reasons why there is no other conclusion. My old boss, Ted Cruz, has been on all over national TV saying the exact same thing the last week. There's no other conclusion to draw by what's ha- based on what's happening at the border and the way it's happening other than this administration is doing this on purpose, just allowing this invasion on purpose. And that means when, when you are... When you are under the thumb of regimes like this, that are this reckless, um, uh, that are uh, this fiendish, you can never be too prepared. And that's why I want to go to our friends at My Patriot Supply, get their three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. When you order, you'll save $200 off of each kit, not your bill, each kit on your bill. Big savings. That includes breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks. The full complement of the 2,000-plus calories that you need per day. If you go to preparewithdace.com, don't pass this up. Uh, Delivery, shipping is free, too. Uh, Shipping is free. Uh, Preparewithdace.com. That's where you want to go. D-E-A-C-E, three-month emergency food kit. Save $200 per kit at preparewithdace.com. So one of the things, because I knew he is doing a myriad of interviews right now uh, around the country. And trust me, we'll get, we'll get, and all of us uh, will get a lot more access to the governor. He's clearly not shy about expressing his opinion on a myriad of things. Um, my, my plan, knowing the time we had going in, was I wanted to ask, and, and this is something I've mentioned, you and I were just talking about this off the air the other day, Aaron, that I really am curious you know, what is the driver? When when a man does the things Ron DeSantis has done, he is driven by one of two things, ambition or conviction. Now, those two things can actually work together, but one of them has to sit in the first chair of the orchestra, all right? And so I, I have been dying to know. I mean, I don't have much issue stuff to ask Ron DeSantis. I mean, his record's pretty pretty blatant, and it it's dominated the headlines for the last couple of years. And and a lot of you kind of know what they've done in Florida. So I I didn't want to get bogged down in more details of that. I really wanted to get into, first and foremost, who is this guy? Because I've met him twice, 10 years apart, and they were 10 minutes or less each time. And I don't know. And so I I wanted to know, and I think maybe I hope some of you did, what truly is a driving force for this guy? So I wanted to make sure I asked that. I wanted to make sure and talk about accountability. I, I, I will tell you, I was looking at the clock and debating with myself. Um, I was going to ask point blank, are you in favor of repealing um, uh, in, indemnity and liability protection for va- vaccine manufacturers? I don't know the answer to that. And at some point in the future, I will ask him that question. But I had also made a vow on Twitter yesterday when I saw Vivek's point, which I think is a very good point. Um, I thought I made a vow on Twitter yesterday that I was going to ask the governor about it. And so I just made the calculation that it was probably more important for me to honor that vow that I had made on Twitter than to ask about the uh, the, the vaccine maker liability protection for now. Uh, my plan was if we, depending on how long his answers were, if there was a fourth question, I was going to ask about Ukraine. That's the one thing I have not seen addressed in his various media appearances so far, at least not on Twitter anyway, uh, and didn't come up last night. So I was going to ask about that. So again, just trying to be as transparent as I can, letting you guys know uh, the thought process. And and I wanted to maximize our time. I, I jumped on during the break with a guest. I almost never do that. But I wanted to do the whole welcome to the show. Congrats on last night. Just get that all out of the way now so we could get right to the hardcore issues. So, again, just being transparent, let you guys know what was going through my mind and why I did what I did and how that handled that the way that I did. And with that, 
We'll get more into this in the overtime, but uh, we had about three minutes here before we sayonara. A quick takeaway from that conversation from either one of you. Bill, lots of uh, brothers from another mother on the show today because I totally get his answer. It was more than 15 years into our marriage where my wife paused. I don't remember the issue. And she actually said out loud to me, she goes, you really don't care what anybody thinks of you, do you? And I was like, it is my superpower. It, it, it's freeing because then you just get to focus on right and wrong. According, and as, as the Bible, as we see it, uh, love the Lord with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as myself. And I do love my neighbor as myself. I'm hard on myself. So yes, I'm hard on them as well. <laughs> That's just how it works. I totally get where he's coming from. And if it's the truth, I will follow this man because he has shown that it leads to real fruit and not the poison we are eating today along the lines of our discussion i mean the, the you cannot divorce the seen from the unseen um, governing righteously in accordance to god's law and according to god's framework for governance requires that you understand what was what was postulated that you cannot divorce the seen from the unseen okay if you know somebody is, if, you, if you're holding a Bible study, you've used this example before, holding a Bible study at church or you're in the pew and you are laying into your congregation, you are laying into your congregation, get right with the Lord, expunge that sin from your life, confront that sin in your own life, your addictions, your vices. Is that a righteous thing? Yes. Drag queen story hour going on down the street in the public library. Is it unrighteous to not confront that? Yes. The same righteousness that drives you to uh, repentance and piousness in your own life should be the same righteousness that drives you to confront things that can be seen. And you're seeing that in Florida. Righteous governance. I think regardless of whether you believe he, he should be or can be or wanted him to run, there, there are two things, you know, I mean, even in this, even in this conversation today, I mean, I've been very adamant uh, that I think what is happening to Trump is a sham and made, and, and made very specific points of that. Um, I, I think given the records both Trump and DeSantis have, there are things to appreciate about both of them transcendently, regardless of what you think about them right now, momentarily. And I would, I would say to all of you that are, that, that don't want him to be the nominee, don't think he can be the nominee, don't think he should run. There are two things that I think you should be thankful for uh, the events of the last 24 hours. Number one, I mean, I mean, Trump, Trump drove a heart, drove, drove a stake into the heart of the vampire known as corporate media. But if you know your vampire lore, you then have to cut off the head and stuff the neck with garlic. That's what DeSantis did last night. Now, it's certainly easier to do that after you've already staked in the vampire mm -hmm. in the heart. Okay, so give Trump credit for that. Sure. But DeSantis came along and cut off the head and stuffed the neck with garlic. I mean, he just finished him off. You're not relevant. Trump proved I can get I can get narratives around you. Now I don't even have to get my narrative through you. I can just you are irrelevant. And all of us who have spent all of our political lives suffering under the malevolence of this industry should all be very thankful for that yes. on some level. Number two, 
what 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 do you think will has has the better chance of giving you the best version of Donald Trump? Trump versus the dwarfs or Trump's Trump versus those guys? Because I think that answer is pretty obvious too. We need the best version of Trump or DeSantis, whichever one it is that comes out of this. Period. Amen. John three seventeen.